Hi, and welcome to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast with me, Dave Drimmy. In this podcast, I give you ideas, insights, information, and inspiration to help you achieve your potential in business and in life. So let's get stuck into this week's show. Hello and welcome to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast. And I'm so, so excited and grateful that uh, Mark Coulter from Elson's is actually joining us today. Mark's an amazing character and he is, um, well, let me give you some of his background. He, in 94, 95, he's at Sandhurst and then got involved in property valuation and law. Then he proceeded to get involved in um, a company called Savills in Agency in London, became the head of residential, head of the region, just Everywhere he went, he was just being promoted. Then he was headhunted, and now he sells super prime property over one million pounds in Edinburgh. So, uh, Mark, how are you, sir? Good, thanks. How are you, Dave? Oh, fantastic! Great to have you here. And listen, it's a really, really interesting journey you've actually been on. And um, so, tell me, what took you into um, into the the property market in in the beginning? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, story, really. I think. Um, I think to be good in property, you've got to be good with people. And um, I always always enjoy dealing with people and, and, and problem solving. So that, that's ultimately where I found myself being gravitated towards. And I, you know, I, I started a, a master's in property and um, did commercial. But I, I was always interested in resi. So that's, that's what took me to resi. So when everyone else was doing commercial, I went into the estate agency business and much to the ridicule of my colleagues but um i think at the end of the day you've always got to do what interests you i think so that that's why i chose resi instead of commercial fantastic and so residential development so you've been involved in doing investment uh, i know you put together developments in the past and you've obviously seen um the the the, the residential market and the, the property market from all sorts of angles what um What's been the most fun aspect of what you've actually done in your journey so far? Oof, tough question. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess helping people sort of, uh, you know, sort of create wealth, is, I suppose, is a nice thing. And we were talking before we went online now, and I was saying that I, I've just got an offer for somebody in Edinburgh. I won't say where. Um, the person paid under a million pounds for this property six years ago, and I've just got them a cash offer off market for just short of two million Wow. So effectively, they've, yeah. doubled, they've doubled their money in six years. And um, yeah, that's really satisfying to kind of get them a, a, a result, which is probably above market expectations. So surpass market expectation is a very satisfying thing to, to achieve, I suppose. So yeah, outperforming the market is probably the most satisfying thing. So touching on that, and it's a really important part there, off market, when you talk about off market, what do you mean by that? Well, this property, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it was being sold you would know that uh, there's no for sale board. It's not being marketed in any portals and nobody knows about it. So I've done quite a few of these sales. I mean, I did two last year, um, you know, for instance, one in Murrayfield at 2.2 million. And I did one in, in North Berwick at 2.3 million. And the client comes to me and said, look, I want to sell this, but I don't want you to know about it. I want you to go to your, your sort of internal database, speak to your people and find out if you've got anybody who wants to buy it. And that's what we do. So once you become uh, very um, clear about operating in that particular market, people gravitate towards you and say, look, what have you got? So you've got, you've got a pool of buyers and you've got a pool of sellers. And obviously, you're just matching the two up and just doing a deal. And uh, it sounds easy. And sometimes it can be easy. I did one last year at 2 million. 
got the offer on a Friday afternoon, first view, and got the offer, formal offer through on Monday and concluded misses on Thursday. That was for a straight two million. Um, and that was very easy, but there can be very protracted situations. Um, in fact, both that one in Murrayfield and that one in North Berwick were very, very difficult, very tricky, very, you know, sort of uh, convoluted sort of deal. So often it can be very sort of, and it can be about emotional things. It's very much a kind of a people sort of driven sort of transaction where people can get very sort of emotive about things and very difficult. So therefore it's just about pulling the two parties together and sort of getting it over the line. So yeah, that's the skill of it really. It's, it's about understanding people's emotions and, and getting them to do what is right for them or what you think is right for them. Talking, um, talking about difficulty, you told me recently that there was a, I think it was last year, you had a property where another agency team had been trying to sell it for like 18 months or two years and couldn't shift it. And and you came on board and, and waved your magic wand. Can you share with us what happened there? Again, no names yeah, is fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to name the names, but there were two international surveying companies. You'll probably guess who they are. But um, yeah, it was a house on on Gillespie Road in Collington, which uh, had been on the market collectively for 18 months. And fundamentally, it's not really a case of major wand. It's just about getting the basics right, isn't it? It's about price presentation and accessibility. And ultimately, the presentation of this property was poor. The sales collateral was was bad. And also the pricing structure was was out of kilter. And as a result, they just couldn't sell it. And I also think that what 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 they needed was somebody to come in with a fresh pair of eyes and bring some hunger and motivation and some energy to the whole process. And that's what we did. And yeah, we sold it in 10 days. So um, it's about just putting together the right package and then executing. Uh, if you get the building blocks right, it's quite simple. But often people get, you know, make it overcomplicated by getting one, one or more of those three things wrong. So that's what we did. And did you not tell me that one, one of that person's neighbours then got in touch with you as well? Was that right? Yeah, that's well, actually, that was a result of another sale I had. So, so it was number 30 I sold in a week for 1.4. And then I sold the other one um, just after, it was just this time last year, actually, for 1.35, yeah. Um, and what was ironic was the original buyer who had agreed to buy it pulled out. And actually, I went to an underbidder and managed to resurrect it. So, yeah, it was quite a good deal all around. It was quite satisfying. Well, yeah. Fantastic. And the reason I'm asking is we, we, we've got um, friends and, and listeners on this podcast who, you know, they, they've had an interest in in property as I have. I was I was 20 years a quantity surveyor before I got involved in, in business growth, etc. And... Um, I'm just refurbishing a farmhouse at the moment, which has just kind of got me back into, into construction again. But as an investor, now I'm looking at opportunities. So the, the numbers you're talking about are quite mouthwatering. But so it seems like you have a, a great network of people around about you. So if somebody like myself who is thinking about property investment, who would you suggest should be on um, their team? Um, your, your panel, yeah, okay. Well, obviously, the first first of all, it's about wealth extraction, isn't it? So, um, a, a good accountant who's going to give you good tax advice is the key. So, before you before you do anything, you want you'd want to think about ultimately where you, where you want to end up, and then you work backwards from there. That's probably the best advice on any plan. It's like climbing a mountain, isn't it? What do you want to do? You want to get to the summit. Okay, how am I going to get to the summit? What's going to be the most efficient way without killing myself, without, you know, sort of what kit do I need? You know, what team do I need to pull together? What's the plan? So I think the summit is the, is the, is the, is the sort of cash extraction. 
and ultimately the, the the biggest thing to that is 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 good tax advice and the vehicle which you're going to utilize for that and then obviously you need a good mortgage broker you need a good set of um, contractors and you need a good agent as well who's going to advise you on a you know buying and selling a, you know an acquisition and disposal basis so probably all of the all of the above to be honest with you so in terms of what you're saying there as I say previously being a QS in terms of uh, maybe a mortgage advisor um, then you probably want someone who's got specific knowledge in the sector you're going in so if it, if you're buying uh, an apartment or a flat or something like that you maybe want someone there as opposed to maybe the larger uh, super prime properties you're dealing with maybe there's a different kind of advisor is that is that what you'd is that good advice or bad advice? Yeah, yes, yes, no. Look, a good mortgage advisor who's basically going to get the best deal for you and, you know, get the sort of most uh, transferable, I suppose, deal. Um, I mean, most most property development, most property investment deals are linked to a sort of more medium to long term strategy. But I mean, at the end of the day, you want somebody who can build in flexibility to your financing because in the, in, in the credit crunch and in the, the sort of, you know, the 2008, 2009 recession, I came across a number of people who on paper, done extremely well, but overnight, you know, they were almost bankrupted. Well, um, and yeah, and it was frightening actually. I mean, the banks had, you know, some. The banks, in my opinion, behaved very badly. Um, they had, they were very sort of responsible for that. But at the end of the day, you've got to be very careful about how you weather a storm, um, and so therefore, you've got to go through all the scenarios and build a build a process which is fit for purpose. Okay. So that you've got to be really careful about how you, you know, because one minute you could be, I don't know, um, you could have an income making um, portfolio, which has got a million pounds worth of equity. And if the market drops by 20% suddenly and the bank banks are wanting to sort of call their loans in, you can be in big trouble. And that's what happened to quite a few, few of these people. Um, so you've got to be careful. Thanks for that advice, Mark. I think So just for clarity, an accountant, a mortgage broker, um, a lawyer um, and an agent; those are those are the kind of key four. Is that correct? And, and, yeah, and, and a group of contractors who are going to basically be able to manage the properties, and also, are you going to be able to help help you manage them on a day to day basis, and also, yeah, refurbish them as well at, at a good cost. So when you go into a property and you say, right, it needs, I don't know, it's forty or fifty k spending on it, you, you're going to assemble a team which is going to be able to sorted out quickly rather than because obviously you've got a void period for all the time that's sitting there not earning your money you know that's burning you know that's burning a hole in your pocket um so you want you want contractors who are reliable they're going to deliver it on time and you get it back onto the market start letting it or flipping it and selling it i suppose it's actually interesting you talk about contractors because this this uh, farmhouse we're refurbishing um there was a local plumber who we knew and trusted and he referred uh well, i asked him to refer five joiners to me, um, electricians, slaters. So through the through the local network, I then interviewed these people and then decided who I chose to work with. And we appointed a joiner to actually lead the project. Most sensible thing we've ever done. He's just fantastic. And he's coordinating the whole the whole job. And it's just a, it's a it's a joy to us because we're we're an hour away an hour away from the project except at weekends. So great advice there. Um, second question I've actually got for you is, so what should um, a novice investor like myself look out for as they begin their journey? In fact, my twins are, well, they're 20 this year. And uh, last year, my daughter, uh, who's at university, she basically bought a, um, a flat 
and uh, just a two-bedroom flat at uh, basically 18, which is fantastic. And my son has said, so he's doing zoology and it's not going to be a very well-paid career. He's doing zoology at university. He said, Dad, can you help me build a, a property portfolio so that I can do what I want to do and I love to do, but maybe have additional income coming in so I can actually travel the world and do different things? And I went, wow, how amazing is that? Yeah, I mean, you must be really proud as a parent when you, when you when your kids are independently thinking in that manner, because that's a really sort of sort of commercial savvy sort of. I mean, you couldn't make that up, could you? I mean, you know, it's exactly what you want as a parent. I'm a parent of two children, and I mean, buying your first property at eighteen is such a rarity now. I think the first time buyers average is thirty, and obviously, it's a bit like setting up a, a pension or anything else. The later you start, the less effective it's going to be. So if you can get onto the property market and make some really savvy decisions at 18, that's going to set you up so well. Um, and that is, that is really unusual. So um, what are people looking for? It, it just depends. It depends on whether you're buying a property to live in yourself and then get, you know moving up the property ladder or you're, or you're putting together a portfolio which is either going to give you huge capital growth or give you an income. It depends, it depends on what really what the strategy is. Obviously, if you're looking for an income, typically you're looking less for a yield. If you're looking for a yield, i.e. capital growth, you're looking for less of an income. So it depends on what it's what it's trying to perform, I suppose. So, so again, it goes back to um, what result are you after and then reverse engineering it, Mark. Correct, yeah. So you want to, you want to work out where you want to get to and then you want to, you want to put together a vehicle which is going to get you there in the most efficient way possible. Okay, fantastic. I've got a third question for you. So when building a portfolio, what uh, what should an investor look for when buying their first property? Well, again, again, I mean, typically, if you buy, let's say, an ex-council property in, in I don't know, West Lothian, for example, um, you're going to get a fantastic yield on that because you're, 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 the rent that you're going to drive is going to be very, very favorable versus the capital value. But typically, the capital growth in that might be quite limited. Whereas if you buy a stunning flat in the new town in Edinburgh, your yield is going to be very poor because the, the, the rent you're going to achieve is, is less favorable versus the, the capital value. But if you look at um, you know, capital growth in the new town over the last even 10 or 15, 20 years, it's been absolutely amazing. So it just depends on what, really what you want. Do you want it to make you an income or do you want it to you know, create a nest egg, which is going to double in value over the next 20 years That's the, or 10 years or whatever it is? That's really the angle you want to take because the likelihood is not going to do both. Okay, that's that's wise advice, and I have have to laugh actually because um, I look back at a at a, a flat I owned in uh, just on the outskirts of the new town. It was fantastic, and um, it was twenty five years ago. Got sold on. We did really well then, and I look at what it's worth now, and I'm just going, oh my goodness gracious me! It's like four times the price. It's ridiculous. So, um, but listen, that's life, and we've we moved on to an amazing property, and now we're moving to an amazing. Uh, amazing farmhouse as well so that's really really exciting well, i think so, i think the rule the, the rule of that is is the sort of duke of westminster's uh, mantra was you know you should you should hold never sell and when a property grows in value just take some equity out and buy another one and just breed them effectively you, you know every time you, you you create one property one creates another by just uplifting capital growth obviously that's a the only risk to that is obviously if you get a property crash then suddenly I like our friend, you know, that I was dealing with in two thousand eight. You can come unstuck, but again, as long as you build in a build in a worst case scenario and kind of live with it, then you're okay. That's the point. 
if you stress test your vehicle, then you should be okay. Wow. Listen, Mark, this has been incredibly valuable. And um, I know you've got to, you've got to get out and get some serious work done. So, um, but what I want to, what I want to know is you've got aspirations to grow your business um, and you want to, to grow it, to become very, very powerful. And it's very bespoke business you have. It's, you, it's very, very much um, customized directly to individuals. What are your aspirations? And second to that, how can people get in touch with you? Because what you offer is second to none. Well, my aspirations are for Ellison's to become um, a vehicle for to, to, to give people what they want in the workplace. So I always think that um, in a traditional employee situation, there are three parties. One, there's the client, and then there's the employee, and there's the business owner. And in my experience, at least one of those parties is getting shafted. Excuse the French, but it's, it's getting a raw deal. And, and typically, it's the it's the employee is getting a raw deal. The, the business owner is 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 milking off you know the profits. The employee is disaffected, so therefore the customer is getting a, a poor um, service. And in a self-employed model, where if in effect you get the the, the sort of um, prime business owner, and then you get the sub business owner, and then you get the customer. If everyone's getting looked after and it's getting a good service. And is making the money that they want. So if you get the the, the Ellison's partner making good money and, and motivated in what they what they what they're doing, they will transfer that and they will be very excited about giving a great service to the customer. And ultimately, if they're excited, they'll earn more money and they, and they will you know deliver uh, a good a good uh, return to me as well. And the point is that in most traditional uh, businesses, um, the setup for that business is 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 cost heavy. And is lumpy. And the problem with that is that, and I know this myself from previous business models, is that you start off with great intentions for delivering great customer service. But when you take on more cost, all you care about is bottom line each month because you just see your whip just draining away every month. And you ha- only have to have a couple of bad months for that to become very, very concerning. And so therefore, it all goes about, let's just get the sale through, don't really care about the customer. All we want to do is just get the sale through. Whereas in a more bespoke model, you can you, your burn rate is much less. So even in the lead times, you can say, "Well, look, I've allowed for this. I know that you know I'm not going to bill so much in these particular months or whenever that period is. But I know I know that's okay because my burn rate is much lower. I don't have an office. I don't have employees. And at the end of the day, I'm I'm charging good good fees to my my clients who are respecting what I'm offering. And so ultimately, my my um, my ambitions for Ellison's is to grow a great business where people really enjoy working for Ellison's, but ultimately people enjoy using Ellison's as a vehicle because they know they're going to get a great service. And I know that sounds very happy clappy, but I mean, why should, why shouldn't we try and aim for that? Why shouldn't we try and aim for something that people really enjoy and people really like? That's the aim. I think what you shared there is a huge differentiating factor because there's very much um, in multiple different businesses. I see that the customer service is incredibly poor and in particular, particularly after the, the job has gone through and what have you, it's the, it's, they're almost forgotten about. And for me, um, as a, a business growth guy, after we've done business with people is when they're the happiest and that's when they give referrals to other people, which is the simplest way to actually grow your business. So um, Yeah, but I mean, Ellison's is all about relationships rather than transactions. Yeah. And if, if you focus on relationships, then transactions will happen, but that'll be a byproduct. But it's all about... You know, treating people fairly and giving them good advice and being kind to them. And if you if you treat people on that basis, I mean, I've got so many examples of where 
you know, I, I see, I mean, I had a chap come to me a, maybe a year ago and say, look, uh, he, he asked my opinion on properties in East Lothian. He said, I know you're doing some off-market stuff in East Lothian. Can you help me? I said, yeah. Where did you sell? He said, I sold in the West End. Who did you sell through? Of course, one of the usual suspects. I said, well, did they help you buy? No. And I said, well, why on earth didn't they help you buy? Well, they're not interested now because now I've sold. I'm, I'm surplus to requirements. So they're really focused on, on, on the transaction. They'll be all over you like a, a cheap suit when when there's a sale to be had. But as soon as that happens, it's like, you know, they drop you like um, like yesterday's, you know, um, prom date. I mean, that's the problem is it's that, you know, it's all about seeing the person as a commodity for the future and somebody who you want to build a relationship rather than sort of, are they, are, are they going to sell? Well, yes, yes, let's be all over them or no, let's go and chat to somebody else. I think that's the point. And so, yes, relationships, that really is the key. Powerful. So, Mark, listen, um, how can... Our listeners get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with you. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, well, I don't know if you're posting my details afterwards, but um, I mean, you know, I can I can let them know. Obviously, available on LinkedIn, I'm a very visible person. Uh, you know, if they just want to contact me personally, either through my email address uh, or my mobile number, then you know, I can I can uh, arrange a chat with them basically, and uh, we can talk through their their needs. So let's begin with an email address because uh, mobile is a little bit different. But what's what's your best email address? And then we'll, we'll talk about LinkedIn. But what's your best email address? Yeah, mark, mark at ellisonsproperty.com, M-A-R-K at ellisonsproperty.com. And that's spell ellisonsproperty.com, please? E-L-L-I-S-O-N-S property.com. Perfect. Listen, thank you very much. So mark at ellisonsproperty.com. And Mark Coulter, you can be found on LinkedIn um, prolifically. And even your, you're just about to do five marathons yeah five in five days yeah i can't quite believe i've got, I've got so struggling we talked about this earlier i'm just struggling with this sort of slightly icky hip but so i don't feel like i don't feel particularly like i'm going to do it at the moment so i'm going to try and rush rush off and do some yoga but um yeah so i'm doing five marathons in five days so the doddy five um foundation outstanding um and so i'm going to run four in edinburgh back to back in varying situations and then I'm going to Belfast, flying over to Belfast on St. Patrick's Day, and I'm going to run the final um, marathon uh, from, I think it's Ravenhill, is it the Ulster Ground? So we're going to go from Ravenhill round and then back, and we're going to have some of the ex-Ireland and Scotland players there. And then obviously a few days after, there's going to be a black tie due that evening. And then there's going to be obviously the game on that on that Saturday, which is Super Saturday, which I think is the 17th of March. So yeah, quite exciting. And it's quite... Um, quite humbling to, to to be a part of that i mean it's like these things are are painful at the time that you know they, they, there's a lot of discomfort that's involved but the pain subsides very quickly um but not for people with mnd <laughs> but people with mnd there's no cure and the pain is ultimate death so it's not a very nice way to go and and um, if we can help and support that charity you know i'm happy to do so so yeah i'm excited about doing that and humbled as well Mark, you're an amazing man. Uh, thank you very, very much uh, for your time today. And thanks for sharing your wisdom. And um, it's a pleasure to call you a friend. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. So listen, folks, that's um, Mark Coulter from Elson's Property sharing with us some of the wisdom that he's actually picked up over the years. So next week, we've got another amazing podcast coming your way as well. And uh, our mission is to help you build wealth and abundance and uh, look forward to catching up with you on Wealthy Wednesday podcast next Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast with me, Dave Drimmy. 
Check the show notes below for further details on this week's episode, including links to resources mentioned in the show. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you'll find us on Apple, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. See you next week.